So there's a nine-year-old boy I get to hang out with, and lately a lot of our time has been uh, playing ping pong together. Um, I learned ping pong at an early age, so he is a long ways away from beating me. <laughs> but uh, the only way that I think he will beat me one day is if he changes his goal from beating me today to beating me one day. <laughs> uh, right now, he needs his immediate goal to improve his backhand. Improve his backhand today so that he's a better player tomorrow, a better player in the future. And uh, if, if, if his goal today is to beat me, he's going to avoid working on his backhand at all because he's going to be a worse player when he uses his backhand because he, he doesn't really know how to hit it backhanded yet. Um, but if he changes his goal to simply improving and having fun playing, having fun improving, uh, he, he very well might get to the point where he beats me on a regular basis. Um, the, the same principle applies when you get to know someone for the first time. Uh, I, I know there are exceptions to this, but by and large, no matter how kind you are, no matter how much social skill, how much personality uh, closeness you all have, uh, you and another person together, uh, if you don't do what it takes, the repeated practice, the repeated exercises to develop a sense of closeness with another person. So if you stop showing up, if you stop asking questions, if you're unwilling or unable to, to help them in a time of need or ask for help, uh, you're just not going to be that close with, with another person. It, it takes time and practice to develop relational closeness. And if those practices are stopped, or, or hindered, then the relationship is negatively affected. So uh, the reason I, I, I start with these two stories, whether it's relationships or learning how to do a backhand hit in ping pong, is we're, we're going to talk about training for godliness. And training is like the backhand. It's like, okay, I just got to focus on improving and not, the, not necessarily the end results. That, that's a picture of training. But training for godliness is very much attached to relational closeness, relational closeness with God and with, uh, with other people. So I, I kind of have two, two titles for this message and, and this series. It's training for godliness and growing in love. So uh, it, it's easier to talk about all of this than it is to do. Uh, for example, I went to the, the YMCA early Friday morning and a friend asked, hey, uh, do you want to swim with me at our time at the Y? And I, I was thinking, no, I don't want to swim. And I also don't want to go to the Y early on a Friday morning. But I went, and it was miserable. <laughs> but it was training for me, and, and it was done together with a friend. Uh, so so all, that, all that to say is uh, training doesn't always feel good, but it's, it's about the process of growth. It's about the process of of improvement. And uh, when we train for godliness, it's not just self-improvement, but it's actually becoming a, a better person. And I, I know there might be like some, you know, pushback because God doesn't accept us based on how good we are. He doesn't, but he does want to change us. He does want to make us into better men and better women. So to, here, here's an overview of today, and today is kind of an overview of the whole series uh, to just try to paint a general picture of where we're going. So today, 
Today, what we're going to do is we're going to define training. What do, what do we even mean by that word? Uh, I, I want to provide a picture that hopefully will help us grasp training and what it means practically in our life. Um, and as we train, there are some ditches that are very, very common. Uh, and, and I think it helps to put a name to things when we experience it. And so these are ditches to avoid on, on the road to training in godliness and growing in love. And then there's, fi- there's just some final concluding thoughts that I want to touch on today. So, so let's begin. There we go. Um, the term training, I, I, I want to explain it by way of contrast. Training is different than trying. Because when you try something, like if my nine-year-old friend tries to beat me at ping pong, what happens? Two outcomes. He either succeeds, which has never happened, or you fail. When you try, you succeed or fail. You win or you lose. That's the, that's the attitude behind trying. Training is, okay, I, I know there's going to be an outcome here, but it, this is a, you're focusing on the learning process when, when your attitude, when your mindset is training. It's about improvement. It's about change. Like when, when you're training in weightlifting, uh, it's a good thing to go until you can't pick up that bar anymore. That, that's training to failure, right? Not training for failure, but to the point that you cannot do it anymore. That, that's a sign that you, you're training hard. And so, so when, when I make this distinction between training and trying, I, I don't mean to say, hey, you have permission to go around and whenever someone says, oh, I'm really trying to fix this or improve this, you, you don't have permission to be the word police <laughs> and say, oh, well, you sh- really shouldn't try. You should train. Uh, this is a heart attitude. And, and if you want to lose friends, that's a quick way to do it. <laughs> um, but b- because w- when, when we say trying, what we often mean is exerting effort. But, but training is it also includes effort, especially when, when we're talking about our relationship with God, because our relationship with God is just marked by grace. It's defined by grace. And grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. It's saying, because I've done this and this, I deserve or I should get this and that. But effort is an action. Effort is, exert, effort is just exerting action. And so, so grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And uh, we, we see this all throughout the scriptures, but I just want to highlight a couple spots where it shows that grace is, is not just this concept that we talk about at church, but grace is a powerful reality. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And God's grace to me, it was not in vain. It wasn't without effect on my life. So, here's what grace did to me. I worked harder than anyone else. (laughs) I exerted more effort. And then he says, check this out. Though it wasn't I, but it was the grace of God at work in me. So, it's easy to, you know, just think grace is something that God gives us. um, And and it's, it's good for us to receive. But grace actually has a profound impact on our life. Another spot that we see this is Colossians 1, where Paul says, I labor, so I exert effort, I work with all of God's energy 
which powerfully works in me. So, so the whole idea here is that God's grace inspires our effort. Um, that training under Jesus, like we don't just come to Jesus by grace, but we actually grow in Jesus by means of grace as well. Uh, the late philosopher Dallas Willard, he said that the true saint, the, the Christian, burns grace like a 747 burns fuel on takeoff. So, the, you know, this big airplane is expending all this energy to pick up the speed in order to start flying, and it's just, just plowing through this fuel. You know, it's just burning through it. And he said this, it's the same for us as as people who belong to and, and are living under the authority of King Jesus. We, we live on grace. Grace is our fuel. It propels us forward. And so what, what we want to talk about in this series is that training for godliness and growing in love, that's, it's just learning. It's embracing the learning process of how do we really live this way? What can we expect? What does it look like? So another quote that I found helpful that I, I thought you might find helpful is from John Ortberg. He says that there's an immense difference between training to do something and trying to do something. He says spiritual transformation, interchange, it's not a matter of trying harder, but of training wisely. Following Jesus simply means learning from Jesus how to arrange my life. And if you think about it, the, 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 the word disciple um, isn't used as much in our culture today as the word Christian, but biblically, they're the same thing. And, and, and the word disciple is much more common in, in the scriptures, in, in the New Testament. And the word disciple, all it means is learner. It's a student. Or maybe even a better picture is apprentice. So if, if being a learner of Jesus, being a learner under Jesus is what it means to be a Christian. I'm afraid that today, because of our experience with school and what learning looks like, that we have a, an unhelpful filter. Like some people think school is boring, so learning is boring. <laughs> and the teachers say, never. Or it's just compartmentalized. You know, I can do well at school, but then I'm unhelpful out in the real world. There's all these different filters that we have to be fully aware of. But here, here's the great thing is Jesus' vision for your life and the, the learning that he's inviting us into is anything but boring and is anything but irrelevant. So in short, when we're talking about training, we're talking about moving in a direction. Not, not about perfection, but we're talking about direction. And so training requires effort, but it doesn't allow for any earning. So uh, that's, that's the first part. Um, now let's consider a picture of training. If you've been here for a few months, uh, you've seen this picture, uh, this old friend of a picture. Uh, basically below that bottom bold black line is where all of us start. We're separated from God. Uh, we're alienated from God because of our sin. Um, and yet, in God's great mercy and his great love for us, 
by grace, he reached out and he saved us. And that's what happens. Justification, it's a big kind of churchy word, but it basically means God's made you right with himself. You are justified. You're made right with God. And that's a vertical line. That's something that God has done completely for you. But then the question becomes, okay, from, from that point forward in this life, what's God's vision for our life? Uh, do we just kind of stay there and flatline? Or can we grow in godliness? Can we grow in our relationship with God? And, and the answer is yes, we can. And in fact, yes, we should. But we need to know that that, that growth process is a bumpy it's a bumpy road and we still can and we still do sin. So that's why the up and down line of sanctification looks like it is. But, but the, the picture that scripture paints is that we, we will grow. That trending over time will be up and to the right. And then when we die or when Jesus returns, there's another vertical line of, of glorification when, when we are made perfect in character and God's, God's restoration of us is complete and ultimately of his whole world will be complete. So let's go to the next slide. What I want to do with this picture today is zoom in on this little part. Maybe this represents a five-year period of your life because that, that's a lot of time. Maybe if you, were, if you came to know Jesus when you were five years old and if you die when you're 85 years old, that blue line in the middle would represent 80 years. So I want to I zoom in on the green circle. So there's, there's the green circle data enlarged. <laughs> it looked, over the course of five years, it just looked steady, right? Steady and even. Well, there, that's what it looks like when you zoom in closer. It's, it's up and down. On a day in, day out, week in, week in, week out, month in, month out basis. And so... I think looking at this picture, it helps me to remember what the with God life is like. There are highs and there are lows, but is that really the goal? To have more highs? Or is the goal directional? So, so when, you know, when you're obedient, uh, you're moving up and to the right. You're, you're, even if you don't feel it, <laughs> You're becoming more the person that God has made you to be. But then when you're disobedient, uh, you know, you're not. You're changing. We're all changing all the time. But it's not into the person that God's calling you to be. So, so, So shortening those times where we disobey, shortening those times where we don't do as we ought to do, uh, that's growth, to shorten the times of, of downward trajectory. Um, so I guess, you know, a, a takeaway from that is just thank, thank God for when he's changing you to be obedient. And then when you realize, okay, I've been living in disobedience, you can thank God for forgiving you, you can repent, and you can move on. It's not about how high you get compared to other people. Nobody is ever attaining to the holiness of Jesus in this life. Not fully. But the goal is, can we know him better? Can he change us more? Can we enjoy him more? Absolutely. That is so available. That is so available. So I, I want Molly to come up now, and she's going to sing a really old song. Um, so if you think you're old, you're not. This song is old. 
1779 is when this song was written. And I wanted to share this song with you because I think it gives great insight into what this process of training for godliness often feels like for us. Uh, not all the time, but often. And so you're, you're free to sing along because I think it's pretty easy to pick up. Or you're free to just sit back and reflect and pray and soak it in. Um, so, yeah. Oh,
So the more I listened to that song, the more I thought uh, that some might hear that for the first time and think growth is about pursuing hardship. It's not. It's about pursuing Christ at the cost of anything. Um, and, and if you want to, uh, it, the song became more and more meaningful to me the more I listened to it. So the, the song is just called, I Ask the Lord That I Might Grow. You can go online, find the lyrics, find, find some videos if, if it's helpful. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's what it feels like. And that's what it often looks like. It doesn't always feel or look that way. But there is a lot of truth to that song. So now I want to turn to uh, some ditches to avoid. As, as we look to train in godliness, as we look to train under Jesus, um, I, I was thinking of a road with ditches on the side. I grew up out in the country about five miles north of here, and there were ditches often on the sides of the dirt roads. Um, you want to avoid the ditches. <laughs> uh, they're not meant to be uh, driven in. So here are ditches to avoid on either side of the road of training for godliness. Sometimes we think that, you know, really spiritual, really godly people, they, they know lots of information. And so training for godliness means acquiring more information. And that's just simply not true. Uh, the Pharisees are a great example. <laughs> Um, they were the preeminent religious people of Jesus' day, and yet Jesus' fiercest enemies at the same time. Um, scripture, by nature, if you, if you just read from Old to New Testament, it is meant to be done and not known. So, so that's one ditch to avoid is making information acquisition the goal of training for godliness. Uh, another, the other side of, of, of that ditch is, is to make it all about performance and doing um, like, how well are you doing it? Uh, it's, it's important to, to do what we know we should do, but what's more important is where is that coming from? The, the inner life change is, is the road that we should stay on, focusing on Jesus. Would you change me from the inside? Not so that I wouldn't act out of anger, but so that I wouldn't be as angry of a person anymore. So that's one ditch to avoid. Uh, another is antinomianism, which, which is a, a fancy word for saying against the law. It's like saying, okay, God's grace has saved me. I'm secure in Jesus. And so it really doesn't matter what I do. It really doesn't matter. Um, that, that's a ditch. That's, that's unhelpful and untrue. Um, it does matter what you do. God does care about that. It doesn't make you right with God what you do or don't do, but it still matters. So you want to avoid the ditch of saying, you know, it, it doesn't matter, I'm good to go. You also want, on the other side, you want to avoid the ditch of legalism, which is saying all that matters is what I do. That's all that matters. As l if I do the right things, then I'm in God's good graces, God's good favor. It, it's a way of earning God's grace. Um, I think the road to stay on is, is relationship. No, I don't, I don't do this because I, I have to. I do this because I want to, because I, I love Jesus. So that keeps you out of the no law, and that keeps you out of the, the law-filled life. Uh, the, the third ditch to avoid in training is, uh, how do you measure how well you're doing? 
when you're training for godliness, when you're growing in love relationship? Is it based, is, is your health in, in your relationship with Jesus, is it based on your feelings? Um, I think if you base it on your feelings, that's, that's uh, it's going to lead you astray. That's a ditch to avoid. But you also don't want to say, okay, feelings have no place. <laughs> that's another ditch to avoid. Uh, as you walk with Jesus, I've found, and, and many others who have lived and died before us have found, you acknowledge your feelings, you learn from what you're feeling, and you examine them in light of the truth. And then you press ahead and continue to walk with Jesus. So, so staying on the road uh, is the goal. Not avoiding the ditches, but staying on the road. And the lane lines of having training, having patterns in your life in place, people in your life in place that will help you stay on the road, that, that, that's, that's one lane line, if you will. The other one is just love. A committed love relationship with Jesus. So, so if it, you know, you kind of know yourself, and we all have different tendencies. But do you tend to just read your Bible because it's the right thing to do and a good thing to do? Um, and and that's that's the lane line of training. That's great. I'm all for reading the Bible, but but do you not connect with Jesus personally as you read it? That's the other lane line. Okay, and so so these two lane lines of training. And growing in love, I think they really work together to just point us, continue to point us to the person of Jesus. And the goal, the end goal of all of this, Jesus gives us in Luke 6. He says, a a, a student is not above his teacher. He says, but everyone, all students who are fully trained, they're going to become like their teacher. So, So the end goal is becoming like Jesus and as you listen to songs and go through hardships in your own life and listen to songs like the one Molly sang, uh, it, it makes us ask the question, do we really want to ask God that we would grow? Do we really want to desire to be like him? And I think it's really important that we do count the cost, but we also consider the benefits. Jesus has He's the only one. He's the only one in the universe who has perfect relationship. He has that with the Father and the Spirit. And he's the most satisfied person in all of human history. And whether or not you choose to train intentionally with Jesus, we're all, we're all going to suffer. There's no avoiding suffering. But Jesus is the only one who's gone through suffering and has full joy and lasting joy on the other side. So let's turn to some concluding thoughts together. And I just want to start with kind of general application and then we'll move to more specific. Uh, In general, having this attitude of training, I believe it'll lead you to real hope. Not because you're such a good student or you're such a good trainee, but because you have the master trainer. You have the God of hope. And, And so you don't have to hope in yourself or hope in your circumstances and you don't have to, you know, package this, package your life in spiritual words. Um, we're often guilty of that. I know I am and have been in the church. But, but to train under Jesus, it's not about saying the right words. It's about becoming the right kind of person. And so where you are today, honestly, it does not matter as much as where you'll be tomorrow. 
That's the whole idea of training under Jesus. And so what matters isn't where I am compared to where you are, compared to where she is. It's about what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step for you? And then the next step after that. And why, why are you taking those steps? And so here's some specific training ideas, specific next steps to consider. Uh, first, just get quality daily time with God. For someone, that could be going on a walk and just talking to God on your walk, memorizing a verse on your walk, reading your Bible with your morning coffee. Uh, could be listening to a worship song, just get, getting quality time with God every day. One of my best friends told me the hardest part for them in their daily time with God is getting into scripture. And I told them the hardest part for me is making sure I just don't get into scripture and just don't stay in scripture, <laughs> but engage with God, the person that the scripture is trying to point me to. And it doesn't have to be 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour. This isn't about performance. It's about growing in love. So, so that's the first very specific, very concrete training idea. And, and, and maybe there's some, you know, some nuance to what the next step in that looks like for you. Uh, I'm all for, try, try new things. Keep it fresh. I mean, if Rose and I or if my, my friends and I uh, did the same thing every single evening, same thing every single time we got together, it wouldn't be nearly as fresh or as fun. So feel free to switch it up. <laughs> Enjoy God um, in that time together and include others. Here's another practical step. Include others on what that time looks like for you and be honest. Like, hey, it's getting kind of dull. Uh, I'm really not enjoying it. <laughs> Ask questions. What helps you? Um, small group is a very helpful resource for that. Because um, at, at, at small group, we should always be talking about, here's the next step for me. Here's how I'm processing that. Here's how I'm working through that next step. Here's how it's hard. Here's how I've seen God move through that next step. Uh, sharing your faith. It's something that we're commanded to do for a reason. It's good for us. It's good. It doesn't feel good for me, but it's good for us. These are just ideas, training ideas. And there are so many. If you, if, well, you're going to hear this a lot because we're going to recite that 1 Timothy 4.8 verse. It says, training for godliness has value for all things. That means it'll make you a better employee, a better husband, a better future husband if you're single, a better father or future father. Um, training for godliness, it, it, I believe that's true. It has value for all things. It'll help you connect with lost people better. Atheists and those who hate the thought of Christ. You have to train for godliness to connect with people who are not like you. Even eating and physical training, I mean, Paul says it's of some value. And I think training for godliness helps us see, okay, well, what is that right value in, in maintaining our physical bodies? has value for all things. And so I, I just got to say, as you start thinking and, and asking God today, what is my next step? Just brace yourself. The next step won't be easy. <laughs> and, and if it is, praise God. <laughs> but expect it to be worth it. Expect taking the next step to be worth it. Because knowing Jesus is worth it. And, and Christian, if you have committed your life to Christ, you, you actually can grow. Even if your experience 
or whoever has told you likewise or uh, otherwise, you actually can grow. And it's not because you're so great or you're so disciplined or you're such a loving person. It's because Jesus is so great because he's so disciplined. He's so loving. And as you hang out with him, he's going to rub off on you. Romans 5.10 says, If while we were still God's enemies, God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of Jesus, how much more, having been reconciled, that's the first vertical line, we were justified, how much more, having been reconciled, can we be saved through his life? So last week was about, you know, Jesus is coming back to life. This, this week is too. <laughs> uh, how much more can we be saved through Jesus's life? How much does his life matter to your life? Don't you want to know personally how much more? Don't you want to increasingly live the how much more life? How much more, having been reconciled, will we continue to be saved through his life? So let's ask the Lord to help us grow. Jesus, in so many ways, I feel like a novice, uh, and un, uh, inadequate to, to uh, train others. Um, but we come to you as the master trainer, and, and we want to train for godliness, and I pray against any shame or inadequacy that other people uh, feel to, to, to admit, uh, this is my next step, and it's been my next step for the last two years. <laughs> um, because we believe how much more we can be saved through your life. Um, we believe you're, you're alive, that you're present with us, that you're powerful to change us. So I just want to give us a time to ask you, Lord, would you help us grow specifically by showing us a next step? Uh, one simple next step. Help us to train in this so that we don't get discouraged when we mess up, but we can confess it and move on. Be quick to repent. Help us to not just train, but also to know that the point of all this is loving relationship with you. So keep talking to God as, as the band comes up. And even as we sing, uh, you can stop singing and talk to God. You can sit down or whatever helps you. Um, make these songs your prayer. Use this time to relate to God and train.